Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. I'm your host, Craig Bunting. I began my career as a professional painter. Now I work for Benjamin Moore as Director of Professional Marketing in support of pro painters. In this series, I'm checking in with some of the best in our business. We're going to hear their stories, things we can learn from, things that make us laugh. Let's get started. Today, I have Noah Cantor. Noah, how are you? I am well. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody out there. Noah is the owner and operator of Nth Degree Painting out of Burlington, Vermont. Noah, tell us about Burlington. Oh, it's a sweet little college town on a lake with mountain views and, you know, Ben and Jerry's and Birkenstocks and all the stereotypical things. Do you have a lot of full-time residents in Burlington? Uh, yes, but it's also like college town. So it kind of empties out by about 10,000 people in the summer. And there's also a lot of second homes up here too. And you work in the second homes or do you mostly focus on the full-time residents? Both. Definitely both. Do you prefer one over the other? Um, second home people can bring, uh, some unrealistic expectations to the table that are kind of hard to work with. So they, they generally want things done yesterday and, you know, are often coming from places like New York where that's possible. So, yeah. So is the inability to get it done yesterday just a matter of your crazy schedule and how busy you are? Or is it more just, is it labor? What, what's, what's the driver of the, of the schedule? And obviously yesterday's impossible, but tomorrow's not, right? So what, what, what drives it for you? Well, there's always some, some tension between how far you're willing or, or how not far, I guess, you're willing to book yourself out. Because if, if people want things done very quickly, they're, they're used to paying a premium for that and leaving open time on the schedule for those kind of calls can be very rewarding, but you know, it's also a little bit of a risk and it's, it's how close are you willing to play it in terms of scheduling? And there is a big reward for, for scheduling two weeks out at a time, but that's also a little, little nerve wracking. Yeah, I bet. How did, so what's the sweet spot? Have you found it? Uh, the sweet spot for me right now is that I bought an investment property earlier this year that I'm doing a lot of work on. So if I don't have a job and I'm playing it kind of close like that, and I don't have a job for a week. I just work on my own property and that's also time well spent. So I'm in a good position to leverage those jobs and do something productive if I get a week off. Is your plan with the investment property to unload it within a given time frame, or is it kind of one of those things where you're not quite sure? Uh, I want to hold this one, uh, do a live-in flip on both sides. I'm about halfway done with that and then move on to the next one, do the same thing. Living in one half and renovating the other one. I was renting it earlier this year. So you really can't get away from work then. It is literally right there. I, I cannot. I cannot. Yeah. Yeah. So time off is not time off for me, but it is time very well spent. Right on. So we do a little bit of background before we, you know, before we jump on one of these. And one of the things that leapt off the page for me is your educational background is very interesting. So all sorts of people fall into this industry, right? I mean, my, my degrees are in political science and policy studies and I've been in the paint business my whole life, so go figure. Yours is one that I really haven't, I haven't encountered much at all. You went to school for archaeology. Yes. So I was one of those 
kids in high school who who could do the book work just fine, but didn't like it. I, I would have benefited from more alternative pathways. Didn't have them. I don't begrudge it. College is a great opportunity. But I think I gravitated towards the thing that's that was closest to a trade. You're out in the field. You're doing very precise work. There's kind of like there's a theory. There's an academic bent to it, too. So I was attracted to that. I was like, if I'm going to be here, I might as well do something that I'm kind of drawn to. Um, and then did a few years of field seasons and some writing and studies and all that stuff. And then about a year out of college, I realized I kind of looked around at the people who were a few years ahead of me and the people who I was working under at museums and such and was like, I don't see a future here for myself. And then it was, oh, well, I can do whatever I want now. And what have I enjoyed for years? And the answer was just right in front of me. It was trades jobs. It was, you know, I worked for builders and masons and painters and I loved that work. So this is a passion as well as a career. It is. That can be a bad thing, actually, to get too into the craft and not focus on the business, the long term wealth building, the, the bigger picture. There can be some perils associated with loving this craft too much. So how do you dig the moat between those two sides, right? You have the emotional thing that you you love it, right? And then you're you are running a business and you're employing people and and obviously you're paying for, you know, what your cost of living looks like and then some. And and how do you how do you keep those two things sort of objectively separate when you need to? It took work. I mean, like I, I don't think I'm unique. I think this is kind of the story of the industry. We have, you know, all the statistics say like 80-90% of this industry is solo or very small shows. So I think there are a lot of people who just love the craft and really don't want to focus on all the other things that it takes to be successfully self-employed. If we were in a more functional work environment with the trades, most of these people should, quite frankly, be working for someone doing that, myself included. But because there aren't great employers in the, in the painting trades in most towns, we have this wild west of a lot of solo people who are just great craftspeople. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying how I dig that moat. It's realizing that it's really hard to make a successful life as a self-employed painter on, you know, in a solo or a small capacity, if you're only focusing on the craft and looking ahead, it was, okay, what do I need to do to balance my love for this with making a living and building wealth and having a successful life where I'm just not like broken and working into my seventies. Where does that word start? I, I'm guessing here, so keep me honest, but I would imagine it's an evolution, right? You've been, you've been doing this for, if I've got this right, 15, 15 years or so, you've been, you've been painting mm-hmm. in some capacity. So I would imagine, you know, your mindset and the things you saw as challenges 15 years ago are long gone now, right? It's a whole different set of things, probably this year versus last year, or maybe even this week versus last week, right? So yes. what, what was the first kind of lightning bolt that hit you where you went, uh-oh, I, I really need to start thinking about things a little bit differently. And then how'd you go about it? I think the lightning bolt was when I realized there was a broader industry outside of me. Uh, for a while in my 20s, you know, I was just kind of disgruntled, like feeling very alone in this trade. And that was just because I didn't have a local community and I didn't get curious enough. And, you know, maybe the resources weren't out there as much. But then I was like, oh, there's a PCA and Nick Slavic's been doing Ask a Painter. And like there are people who I can just email or DM and they'll give me the time of day and we can hang. And like that blew my mind. The fact that there was a broader industry out there that I could draw from and grow from. That's I mean, that's the start of the curve when everything started changing. That, you know, it's a fantastic point. And I think you, you, you nailed it in saying that it just wasn't there in the past, right? I mean, at least from what we've seen, 
it's it's a relatively new phenomenon and it's incredible. I mean, the the sharing of knowledge and the 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 overall desire to elevate the trade and the business and the craft and all the things that come along with it is is really fairly new. So when you reach out to one of these one of these Nick Slavics or Jason Paris's or whomever it is that you tap for, you know, I'd like to understand more about their business or what drives them where I have a problem. How do you make that first intro? Like what's that, what's that message say when you DM Nick or, or whomever for the first time? Like slightly embarrassing, funny story. I mean, there is Scott Burt is a name in the industry. He was a big writer way back when. And I, I actually, Yes, a local guy. And I actually emailed him. He was like one of my first reach outs and I did it so poorly. It was just, it was only asking for things and basically telegraphing. I don't know what work to do. So tell me what to do. And like, that's the wrong way to do it. I think if you reach out to anyone who's incredibly busy, but also incredibly generous, you you have to show that you kind of did the work. You have clarity about what you want. You bring something to the table, perhaps in, in like a scatter shot panicked help me way. That's not how to get the best from people. So is it an exchange? Do you feel like there needs to be a little bit of that kind of quid pro quo where you are asking hat in hand that I've got, I've got a challenge and I need some help. And do you feel like it's part of, part of the relationship that you're forming is to kind of give some things back? Like here, here's what I've experienced and how does that relationship work? Cause I think the reason I asked the question is I think there's a lot of people who are just about there. Yeah, I, I'll start this off with just a little asterisk. It's a little different for me because I came out with a platform. I came out with a podcast. So I'm, I wasn't out of the blue to them. I was on their radar. I'm involved with the PCA. For someone who doesn't have that, I would say, kind of like I said, just show you're doing the work. If you have a question, I'm going to guess that Nick Slavic has an Ask a Painter on that exact specific thing. So watch it, digest it, think about it. And then see if there are still questions left. Show that you did the work. You looked at the free resource already. Like make it easy for him to help you. And that goes for anyone you're asking for advice. Show you've done the work and make it easy for them to help you. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And as I'm thinking now, there's probably two ends of the spectrum, right? There's those folks who are like, I, I just don't know the answer to my whatever my problem is. And there's probably the other extreme where there is so much information out there. There's so many people to potentially talk to. Where would you have them start? Ask a painter, the, just the, the archives of it. You know, also the PCA's overdrive platform is an aggregation of every relevant thing in the paint industry. And also get on Instagram and get in like the higher end, higher quality paint niche. I learned so much just from watching people's stories. People are so willing to share. People love talking shop. Can you give us a little bit of a, an overview of what Nth Degree looks like today? How many employees? What do you guys really focus on? Just so the folks who maybe haven't heard your podcast or aren't as familiar. Yeah, right now it is one main employee. We're actually both taking time off to work on our respective houses this summer. And we're going to come back together in a, in a more full-time capacity this fall. So yeah, one main one. I have one or two other kind of loose guys who I pull in for bigger projects. These are all employees and not subcontractors though. I painted for a fair amount of years before I came to Benjamin Moore. So I know what a small painting company looks like. And I can tell you that, you know, one of the challenges that we had or I had, it's a very close relationship, whether you like it or not. I assume you work within 10 to 15 feet of each other almost every day. So what what ends up happening, of course, is like personalities collide or clash or somebody's having a bad day. So 
So tell me about this individual. Yeah, no, great question. So fun fact, she goes back to my archaeology days. We went to college together. We were in pits in Southern Ohio together. So we know how to work together. And she ended up in Burlington years ago for completely different reasons. And the pandemic disrupted her other job. And I was like, you want to put some hours in for me? That evolved to a full-time thing that now is down to like a very part-time thing and we'll ramp back up in the fall. But we know how to work together. We know how to yell at each other lovingly if we need to. And I've had to calibrate based on her production. She's, you can't get an employee like that in the open market. You just can't. You can't hire the quality of, of human that I have in her as well as a wonderful craftsperson. I am now kind of focusing on basically booking jobs that set us up for the most success. I learned what hasn't worked for us, and that's huge jobs. We have no business being on huge multi-week, multi-month jobs. I know your name long before we had this conversation today. I mean, you're, you're out there, right? So I imagine the same is the case in Burlington. Your name gets floated around and somebody calls and says, I have a huge job. You know, of course, you don't want to say, hey, look, I don't do that and hang up, right? That's not, that's not how you run a business. So the conversation goes, okay, unless you, you're willing to break that up into a few pieces, we might not be the best fit for it. If I could refer, I would. And honestly, the clients are used to being let down by contractors so much right now that if you just give them an honest, quick answer, pick up your phone, have it done in a minute, they appreciate that. And they're still going to say good things about you, even if you can't serve them. People appreciate honesty and boundaries. One of the things that, that I think is almost undeniable now is systems. Technology has changed the way in which this business operates dramatically. I mean, we've had a lot of change driven by technology over the last 10 or 15 years, forced change over the last three. You know, our expectations just, I think, societally have changed, right? A time is more important and, and whatever those changes may be. So what are some of those changes and how have you dealt with them? You know, there were some things that just changed necessarily during that time. And then a lot of bad happened, right? But then there were some things where you were like, why wasn't this just the case before? This makes life so much easier, right? Like when I ordered delivery chicken wings, they'll bring me a beer now. I don't know why they couldn't do that in February 2020, but that just makes sense to me, right? That's a very small, completely trivial example. But, you know, virtual bidding started to be a thing and people started to really like it. And I carried that through. I no longer pick up the phone and blindly drive to someone's house just because they called. And that's probably slightly controversial. I'm sure people who are more salesy are going to be like, you don't get the same effect with your sales process. And I'm like, I get my time back though. And I can kind of weed out tire kickers and make sure they have the correct price expectations. And yeah, I think they appreciate it too, because they can just shoot me a couple pictures and get a strong ballpark via email. They don't have to make an appointment and they don't have to drive home from work. They don't have to wait for me. So we get the relationship started like that. That's just a little thing that I started doing during that time when people's expectations were shifting and it's lasted and it saves me hours a week. Yeah, and I think that's it. That's why the beer example is not trivial, yeah. right? It's, it? It's, it isn't because you would have had to do something else to go get that beer to go with your delivered chicken. Sure, sure. Yeah. You're listening to Benjamin Moore's Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. Now let's get back to our interview. It sounds like obviously you work a lot. You're super passionate about your business. In fact, your work is probably one wall away or so right now, right? How do you burn off steam or blow off steam that isn't, you know, that isn't this? Do you have, do you have one of those or some of those things that you do that just kind of helps you get back to center and, and keep that balance? 
Yeah, my best like working week kind of evening reset is swimming. I love just a good hard swim and, you know, good, good weekend escapes for me. I'm lucky, you know, Burlington is right across the lake from northern New York, the Adirondacks, one of my favorite places on earth. And just going on a canoe trip, finding an island up in that those heavenly waters. That is just my favorite way to unplug. How do you keep that part of it? in check. I mean, how do you schedule those canoe trips? How do you make sure that you do that? Because I think it, it, it it's it's probably apparent to all of us now that, you know, the thing that we often sacrifice first is our own time. Mm-hmm. What's the best technique for those folks who are, because we're, I mean, it's never been busier than it is right now, right? Most people are just completely slammed. So how do you do it? Yeah. The, the first step for me was, this is the first summer I have not taken exterior work and it has been the best summer of my life. So when my schedule was dictated by rain and just unpredictable weather, you know, if it rains Wednesday through Friday and I'm trying to go away that weekend, you think I can go away that weekend and have peace of mind knowing that I got two good days of work in that week? No, I'm working the weekend and I'm canceling my trip. You know, that's not a healthy way to live. I was never able to just mentally sink into that in a way where I could check out when I needed to. So axing exteriors was the best thing I've ever done. And it turns out that was a great business move, too, because no exterior outfit is touching interiors in the summer, making me almost one of the only painters in town who will do an interior for you in the summer. The way I escape is not booking myself solid, is booking, you know, a light job and then, you know, working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, catching up on life Thursday and then Friday morning I'm out the door and just giving myself that time where no one expects me anywhere. That's that's the best time I have. Yeah, when the biggest ladder is two feet tall, life's pretty good, right? I know, I know. Yeah, I haven't gotten stung by a bee all summer. I haven't gotten dive bombed by bats. I haven't gotten hail on fresh stain. You know, I don't, I don't need that. And there is one of the best exterior outfits in the nation is in my market. They're killers. I love them. I refer all my stuff to them. Those clients are in great hands. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And that, and I think, you know, I, we do hear that a little bit, figuring out your place, right? Whether it's some companies are very, very good at just commercial stuff and they try to break into residential and it's, it's a disaster for any number of reasons. We're seeing a fair amount of new techniques coming into play now, right? Because products are changing and the technology isn't just digital stuff. I mean, some of the, the spray rigs, for example, today versus what they were 10 years ago are night and day in terms of technology, right? So, in the last you know, few years, has there been one of those things that you just, you kind of grab it every day or every other day and you think, you know what, this is, this is making life a little better. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's probably not novel anymore to say festival dustless sanding. Like that's, whereas 10 years ago, you know, that was like one in 10 and now it's nine out of 10. Um, you know, back to exterior, exteriors were hard to put down for me. I loved them. I loved the stain grade stuff. I got really niched out and good at that. And learning how to soft wash and use chemicals really well instead of pressure wash was the biggest game changer for me doing exteriors. And that's that's not as obvious as like dustless sanding is. Um, That is something where you have to kind of go into the pressure washers, YouTube rabbit hole and really put together squirrely systems on your own. But then once you're up to speed on that, huge game changer. Is there a resource? I mean, you'd say you kind of like dig through YouTube and such. I mean, is there a place that you found that might be, if you had to sell somebody, tell somebody, go there. I mean, go learn how to do this. Where would you send them? I have not found a centralized resource. The best uh, distributor, I can say, is PressureTech.com. They have the best chemicals, best gear. They've been awesome. But then it's just, yeah, 
go to YouTube University for a little bit and figure out which chemicals to use, how to use them, and then order everything from Pressure Tech. That was what I did. You could do a whole bunch of damage if you don't know what you're doing. Right. You certainly can. Yeah. yeah. And it's also very inefficient. Just cold water and high PSI on a house is the worst way to wash it, period. Yeah. And soft, you like, you don't wash your dishes with a pressured, pressurized stream of freezing cold water. <laughs> you use suds and soap and warm water. That's how you wash your clothes. That's how you should wash a house. I love that. Not necessarily with warm water, but let the chemicals do the work for you so that pressure doesn't have to. It's going to be good on paint grade surfaces. It's going to be even better on stain grade surfaces that people thought were a complete loss. Yeah. You will you will be their hero because not many people know how to do that. Uh, that's really great advice. And I think it's one of those things, that, as you said, I mean, if they're... I think people just get locked into this is the way it's done, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you fire up the washer, you plug the hose into it and off you go. And, and you know, to your point, you could, it is working a bit smarter, right? It, you really don't have to just brute force your way through it. There, there is another way. And you don't have to be two stories up, one handing a pressure washer wand on a wet ladder. That's the way I started because it was like, that's the way my crusty old boss taught me. Like, stop that. Lots of bad stop things that. can happen, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I mean, I'm... I'm thankful I got through those dumb early exterior years with all my limbs and faculties because mistakes were made. One of the things we try to have in these podcasts is like a mm-hmm. kind of a humorous tale, right? It's a business that involves a lot of people and it's just fairly personal, right? You're in people's homes. And mm-hmm. so if you would, I mean, without without maybe the gory details, I mean, what's the, what is one of the more challenging experiences and maybe humorous experiences you've had with all the people we were into in this business? You know, I got a great one for you. It's it's not anything you're going to expect. And I have never told this story on my podcast or anyone else's. So this is an exclusive here. I had a client, this was in 2017, and she was an allergist. She was a doctor, but she dabbled in community theater. So did her husband, who was a kind of, you know, as big of an actor as you can be in Burlington, Vermont. He was. And she decided to direct her first play. And I had known them through other clients a little bit. This wasn't my first two days working for them, but this is my first time really getting to know them and painting the exterior of their house solo. So I was there. And one day after work, she approached me and she was like, I have a crazy proposal for you. And I was like, oh God, what? Oh my God. Nope, 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 nope. Uh And she was like, I am directing a play and I've tried to get this out of my head, but every time I read it, I see you as the lead. And I was like, (laughs) come on. Okay. All right. That's fun. I've never done community theater. I wasn't a theater kid in high school. And she was like, I know I like, I, I didn't think you did. Like I'm asking because I've thought about it and we think you can do this. I was like, let me think on it. And everyone I talked to was like, yeah, it's completely insane, but you got to do it. Like you have to do this thing. And I did. No way. Yeah. I went and read and then her husband would like, I would go, I would work and then go to, go to their house and her husband would give me like acting lessons. And the cast was really nice to me for some reason. I was like 26, 27. And I was just some kid that they threw into the lead position. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It, it scared the daylights out of me, obviously. Uh, like my face was going numb opening night. I was like, what's this about? Okay. I got to learn some breath work for this. Like, you know, <laughs> that is kind of just like the weirdest wildest client interaction 
but I'm very grateful I did it. That is a good one. That is, yeah. I, I tell you, man, there's, there's some things you hear time and time again. I don't think I'm ever going to hear that one again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah I almost really lit cool. a house on fire. That story is on my ZK live, yep. but you know, everyone's almost lit a house on fire, right? Well, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, some, sometimes professionally, <laughs> sometimes personally, we, we both know yeah, that's, yeah. that is really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing kind of what you're into. So is your acting career over? I mean, have you pulled the curtain over or are we going to go again? I, I would do it again. I would respect how much of a, a time commitment it was because, you know, it turned into another 20, 30 hours a week for that two, much. Huh? No kidding. Partially because I was I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I had to learn a lot. And yeah, I did some stand up comedy after that. I was like, all right, let's let's try this other stage thing. But I haven't done anything like that in a lot of years. That's that's definitely takes some some guts to get up there and try to make people laugh. Right. It's not it's not an easy thing to do. I don't know what takes more guts, the power washer on the 24 or yeah, it's, it's kind of a different type of guts, I guess. Right. For sure. Hey, look, man, I want to say thank you more than anything else. I mean, I know you're super busy and this has been a, a real education for me. I'm sure we've, we've crossed paths over the years sometime or another, but it's great to spend a few minutes with you today. And I know your time's incredibly valuable, but I know that anybody who hears this is going to get a ton out of it. So, cause I, I do think that those folks who, who are going to pull the nuggets out of this, right? That's what it oftentimes boils down to. You get those handful of things that just make a difference. Well, I appreciate that. It was an honor to be here. And yeah, great talking to you. As the day winds down here, I encourage you to go for the wings and beer because there's no reason <laughs> not to. Right? I hope they still deliver it. Yeah. <laughs> great talking to you. And thanks again for doing right, thanks this. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coverage. If you enjoyed this podcast from Benjamin Moore, be sure to subscribe and share it with other professional painters. Follow us on Instagram at Benjamin Moore Pro. DM us with questions, comments, or future topic suggestions. Let us know if you would be interested in being a guest. This is your podcast, and we want to hear from you. In the meantime, stay busy, and we'll see you on the next episode of Coverage. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.